What's up, founders, and welcome back to the In Demand podcast, where we talk all about how to reach your very first 1 million in ARR. I'm your host, Asia Arangio, and I'm the founder of Demand Maven, where we work with early stage SaaS companies on reaching their very first growth milestones. Let's do this. All right, folks. Okay, so today we are going to talk all about the eight customer yeses. I've actually talked about this a couple of times in previous talks. Uh, I might have casually mentioned it maybe in uh, like while I was on stage, maybe at Microconf or SaaS Doc or various conferences um, in the in the SaaS world. And every now and again, I'll tell a story about how um, growth ultimately comes from customers. Like there's, there's literally no other place where growth can come from. Growth has to come from customers, people paying us money and then hopefully paying us more money over time and then never leaving us. That's like the dream. That's where growth happens. Uh, of course, there's aspects of the business, of the customer lifecycle, where we can examine to find growth opportunities. But growth at the end of the day almost always comes from customers. There's really no other place where growth can come from. So typically, whenever I give talks, I will I will talk about how growth typically comes from customers. And believe it or not, uh, there's tons of yeses that have to happen even inside of this process of getting a customer because it's actually not just so binary where like you get a customer and like, you know, like they're not a customer and then all of a sudden they are a customer. It's actually far more shades of gray, even in the process of getting a customer and then in the process of retaining a customer. And if you're listening to this, you're probably in the SaaS or internet-based and or subscription-based world in some kind of way, which means that you also not only want to attract customers, but you actually want to keep them and retain them because there is some monthly or annual or quarterly charge that is also happening. And then there's other aspects, however, of acquiring and keeping customers that many people do forget about. And that gets into some of the other aspects of those customer yeses. But okay, so what I wanted to do today, and this might be a relatively short one today, but what I wanted to do is just to talk through what those yeses are. There are eight of them. And these customer yeses have to happen in order for you to attract, convert, retain, and expand uh, growth. And ultimately, at the end of the day, customers. Many of these yeses are purely psychological. They are things that happen throughout the process of a customer deciding and realizing that they need something and that they're going to try your solution. Um, And then some of these yeses are more tactile or concrete, as in there truly is a transaction happening here. And, uh, you know, we've, we've, we can actually like see this and measure this. But okay, let's get to the yeses. So the first yes is from the, again, these are all from the perspective of the customer. The first yes is, yes, I have a problem. So this is uh, you know, of course, like the classic, I'm problem aware. I have a problem. There is a th- like, there is something that is really crappy about something. And uh, it is like, I am acknowledging and owning the fact that like, man, I think there's, this is not great. This kind of sucks actually. The second, yes. Yes. I want to solve that problem. Now this one is, this is one, this one is like particularly specific um, because it's not enough to have customers like, oh, okay, I've got a problem. They actually have to want to solve the problem. And sometimes, sometimes marketing can do some really cool, 
you know, like Jedi mind trick here. And sometimes it can actually motivate people to solve the problem. Uh, But for the most part, customers do have to actually be in a space and a place, contextually speaking, where they actually do want to solve it, ideally on their own. There's many schools of thought around this. There are some people who do believe that you can ultimately, you know, browbeat people into like wanting to solve it. Um, But then there's also schools of thought that say, actually, that doesn't make for a good experience anyway, because they end up churning out later. Um, Just for what it's worth, I am in the latter camp rather than the former camp. I have certainly observed organizations attempt to browbeat, you know, customers who do have a problem, but, you know, try to force them to want to solve the problem and do it successfully. But then later they actually churn because actually they kind of have like a come to Jesus moment about like, oh, actually, I didn't actually want to solve this problem and I probably wasted some money. But anyway, okay. So yes, I have a problem. And then it's yes, I want to solve that problem. Wanting to solve that problem is so crucial because again, it's it's just really, really, really hard to force someone to care about solving it. The next yes is yes, I want to try your solution. Now, this one is interesting because they go from having a problem to wanting to solve it to now they are considering solutions and customers in general are only going to give solutions the effort and the energy that they really truly think will ultimately help them. So it's just unlikely that they're going to try every solution on the planet, for example. They're really only going to whittle down their options to just a few, and then they're going to try those. And then hopefully your solution is one of the ones that they decide to try. But here's the thing. If they are not even considering your solution as an actual solution, then there might be something to unpack there and to understand, especially if you are losing opportunities from qualified uh, you know, target customers. So after, yes, I want to try your solution, then they have to say, yes, I understand why this is valuable. This is another huge moment because if they never say, yes, I understand why this is valuable after having used your solution, then of course they will never become a customer because they're not getting the value. It's not there yet for them. After experiencing the value, and this is assuming that uh, that they have either started a trial, maybe they have, maybe you're doing a pilot project with them, or some kind of like you're a design partner with maybe another uh, with a with a target customer. After they see why this is valuable or that this is valuable, then they have to say, "Yes, I want to become a customer." Now, the way that this typically happens in self-serve companies is usually this means they are going to their wallet, taking out their credit card, entering in payment details into their billing, into the billing section of your product, and then boom, they have now become a customer. There are some companies, though, where it's more of a sales process and an agreement has to get drafted, maybe an SLA has to get negotiated, and then from there, you go to signing, and then the onboarding process kicks off. Uh, And then um, now they actually go through the process of, you know, literally becoming a customer. So after saying, yes, I want to become a customer, this is where we start looking at other opportunities for yeses. But these yeses do naturally happen. And hopefully they're already happening, um, you know, quite well, actually. But if they're not already happening, then this is something that we still need to be cognizant and aware of. We cannot forget about these last three. We're only on number five. But here's the thing. Um, 
I think a lot of people just kind of assume that like once you get people to take out the credit card or to sign the agreement, that it's over and that the journey ends. But the truth is that actually, no, there's more. And here is where we get into the last three yeses. So number six is, yes, I want to renew. And that is either every month or every year. So here's the thing. They, they become a customer. And if you have a monthly subscription or an annual plan, either one, every single month that their plan renews, the customer has to still say, yes, I want to renew. Now, a lot of you already have, you know, you've got automated billing set up. So these decisions, like these, these yeses may not be as um, quite literal as in like, hey, like we're about to charge you. Is that okay? And like the customer gives, you know, permission. It's probably automated, probably automatic. However, the customer is still thinking, hmm, am I still getting value out of this? Is this still helpful? Is this still good? And, and when they answer the question, yes, I want to renew, then obviously they don't churn. Like they continue allowing you to bill their accounts or whatever it is, send invoices, pay them, what have you. Um, they continue to give permission uh, almost by doing nothing and or by silence. However, when they start thinking, I don't know if I want to renew and or no, I don't want to renew, this is where the opportunity for churn happens. So in the event of, I don't know if I want to renew, it's really possible that one, they might totally forget they're still getting charged for the thing, um, which is which is very common and also quite possible, especially if it's a smaller line item for them. And then the other flip side to that is uh, they might actually be questioning the value of the product. And if you have really good product analytics, there are scenarios where you might be able to predict who is a churn risk based off of inactivity and or based off of particular inactivity for specific features. Because maybe your product isn't designed to be a daily usage type thing. Maybe it's more like a weekly or a monthly thing. But even then, there are certainly ways that you can potentially create or and or you know, predict who might be a churn risk based off of their inactivity and or low usage or, you know, whatever those indicators for you might be in your product. Okay, number seven is, yes, I think that new plan or add-on will be valuable to me. So, okay, so here's the thing. So let's say, let's say you've got one through six down pat. Yes, I have a problem. Yes, I want to solve that problem. Yes, I want to try your solution. Yes, I understand why this is valuable. Yes, I want to become a customer. And then finally, yes, I want to renew every month or every year, whichever one. Number seven is also extremely critical because it speaks to expansion revenue. But if you've nailed one through six and you're not thinking about expansion opportunities such as new plans, new pricing tiers, and or add-ons, meaning um, you know separate um, add-on services that you can add to existing plans, then you might actually be leaving some money on the table, one. But then two, there's probably some value left on the table as well. Because here's the thing. Yes, I think that new planner add-on will be valuable to me speaks to the growing needs of your customer base. Customers ultimately don't stay the same. Their needs change. The market changes. The world changes. New technologies and solutions enter and exit the market every millisecond of our lives. And customers, while they might get to six and say, yes, I want to renew every month or every year, they might also be con still considering their other options. And some of those other options might fulfill their jobs to be done or job better than your product. So 
if you are not thinking about how you can continually add value, not only to the existing product, but then also potentially to upsell and cross-sell opportunities, then again, you might be leaving money on the table. And and also, uh, it's a it's a lose-lose situation because customers are not getting the value and you're not getting, you know, the extra, uh, you know, cash in the bank at the end of the day. So, so number seven was, yes, I think that new planner add-on will be valuable to me. Again, they've got to say yes when you introduce those new plans, tiers, add-ons, um, and hopefully enough of enough of those folks will say yes to, of course, warrant the investment of creating that new plan, new add-on, whatever it is anyway. And then finally, number eight, the last customer yes, is yes, I recommend this product. So not only do you have to get them from one through six, everything from, yep, I got a, I got a problem to, yep, I'm going to try your solution to, I'm going to become a customer. What you want to have happen next is that you want that customer to ultimately be a promoter because if they're a detractor, they're going to tell other potential customers just like them that actually maybe your solution is not the best. So you really want the yes, I recommend this product. So when one of their friends, colleagues, bosses, whoever comes to the customer and says, hey, what do you think of this? Do you recommend this? You want your customer to say, yes, I do recommend this and here's why. So um, this is where there's you know, tons of opportunity as well to not only surprise and delight customers, but also to really be sure that you are creating an experience that ultimately naturally generates word of mouth and also attracts other customers that are also going to get great value out of it. And then in addition to that, become promoters, which, you know, is great to have a customer base full of promoters. It's like the best. There is technically a ninth yes that I did not add to this, but I but I will because some of you might be thinking of it. Um, it is correlated to number seven, and there's argument to be made that like we could we could totally um, you know add it to number seven. But I'm going to add a ninth one, and it is yes, I'm cool with this new pricing change. And what that means is, generally speaking, you want as many people to say yes, I'm okay paying more, mostly because I get the value out of it. Um, so obviously. If you were to increase prices, you don't want the vast majority of your customer base to say, heck no, I'm not staying. Uh, you want the vast majority of your customer base to say, yeah, I'm okay with this price increase because the value, again, like it, it's just so great that I uh, have no problem paying more. Um, now, this is something to, of course, be careful with, but generally speaking, you want to uh, retain that 80 to 90% of customers after making the price change. But overall, that is the uh, those are the eight yeses with a bonus yes related to pricing. Okay, so yes, I have a problem. Yes, I want to solve that problem. Yes, I want to try your solution. Yes, I understand why this is valuable. Yes, I want to become a customer. Yes, I want to renew every month or every year. Yes, I think that new planner add-on will be valuable to me. Yes, I do recommend this product, actually. And then the last one, bonus one, is yeah, I'm cool with these price changes. Um, or yes, I'm, you know, I, uh, yes, I will stick around after, uh, I, I will pay more for this product is <laughs> kind of the way to think about that. Okay, so here's why you should care. Why do all of these yeses ultimately matter? What is it about these yeses that is worth me telling you about them? Well, the first reason is because I think sometimes we get so caught up in the KPIs of things 
that we just actually forget that customers are humans and they are uh, they they have human problems and they also have human distractions. And I mean, it's it, it's just so easy to forget, especially in the tech and the SaaS world. Customers get reduced down to KPIs and conversion rates and um, MQL goals and sales goals. And sometimes we just kind of forget that like the customer has to go through these eight yeses for us to see not just basic success, but like wild success. Um, I would say it's actually both. And the moment that we forget about these yeses, that's the moment that we start seeing poor, slow, not great growth because ultimately at the end of the day, customers aren't saying these yeses. And sometimes they're not even getting to, yes, I want to become a customer. Sometimes they're getting stuck at number four of like, why is this valuable again? I actually don't even really know. I'm not really sure like what's going on. And this is that classic product market fit issue where uh, customers don't either understand the problem, have the problem, want to solve it. And then finally, the product that's put in front of them doesn't solve it in the way that really checks all of their boxes. And so they never actually become customers. And then sometimes we stop at six where we stop at like, okay, yeah, they're going to start renewing. And then we just kind of focus on renewal and that's it. And we never get into expansion revenue. We also never get into maybe revenue operations or growth operations, aka changing your pricing. And then finally, maybe they never actually recommend the product, which means one customer never becomes two customers, which is like the magical thing that happens also, um, or even five customers. And Here's the other thing too, is that I think like a lot of these things will happen almost regardless, but if we don't put any energy into maximizing these things, then we're just going to have a slower journey and, you know, and that might be okay. And and that might not be like, you know, necessarily a bad thing. But for those who are looking for growth, um, just keep in mind that these eight customer yeses have to happen. If they don't happen, and I would say even nine, I'll include the bonus one, but if they don't ever actually happen, then we just won't see the growth that we ultimately want to see. And we will be at the whims of the market, of competitors, and of whatever else the world dishes us. (laughs) Instead of, of course, focusing on creating as much value as possible, um, both from a product and also a marketing perspective. So uh, the other reason why you should really care about these eight bonus nine customer yeses is Anytime a customer hesitates to saying any of these yeses, you are ultimately leaving money on the table. And on top of that, they're not getting their job done, which means that you know they have a goal at the end of the day that they're trying to reach, that they there is some objective um, or outcome they are trying to achieve. This is rooted in the thinking of jobs to be done and why we use jobs to be done to help us arrive at growth opportunity. But when a customer is not getting their job done with the product, they will turn. The customer hesitates to say yes, which means there's something that we are at risk of losing, which of course does not therefore create growth. If that happens too much, too many customers hesitate to saying yes, uh, then we definitely won't see growth. And remember kids, growth comes from customers. It's impossible to grow without customers. So we do need them to experience value from our solutions ideally better than anything else that they could possibly be using or doing instead. And then also wanting to ultimately not just become a customer, but stay a customer and potentially even expand because they have other problems they need solved. And there's other 
product um, benefits, features, things that you can offer that you can technically charge more for. And then finally, of course, you don't ever want a customer to be a detractor if possible. It's never going to be perfect. You will certainly have detractors and people who don't recommend your product or the solution. But we, of course, want the ideal. And the ideal, obviously, would be that they do recommend it. Um, And if they don't recommend it for everyone, maybe there's specific context that they recommend it, which would also be interesting to understand. So that's why you should care about these yeses. These yeses, well, for one, they're easy to forget about um, because, again, like we think about things like KPIs, about numbers, about conversion rates. And sometimes we forget that, like, no, actually, the customer really just has to say yes to each of these things. And there's no amount of forcing that we can do necessarily about these yeses. So we have to create environments that enable these yeses to happen more frequently and at faster rates than what they are today. And then again, that second reason why we care about these yeses is because when they don't say yes to each of these stages, we are losing money and they've probably moved on. And it's so hard to get someone after they've already moved on. So this is why we care about these yeses. So here's what I want you to be thinking about. When you think about your customers and when you think about your product, and the, and the overall customer experience, the product experience, the, the, the flow, the journey, whatever it is that you want to call it, that they go through each of these yeses. When you think about each of these yeses, where do your customers get stuck? And where does your product slash experience not facilitate these yeses? And the easiest way to do this would to go would be to go and take a look at the KPIs. However, you could also just ask or talk to customers. You could certainly do some research here. Um, but I just want you to like use your intuition a little bit because there's, a, there's probably a really good chance you already have a sense for this. But where do your customers get stuck? When do they stop saying yes? Or when do they hesitate to say yes? Maybe they don't stop saying yes, but like it took them, you know, 30 days to say yes to this stage that would be a very worthy exercise to go through because that will automatically give you a sense for what growth opportunity is actually in front of you based off of customer's hesitation or just flat out stopping, like not saying yes at all, hitting a brick wall and saying no. All right, thanks again for listening. I hope that this was helpful. I hope it gave you something to think about, to noodle on for a little bit. And then also, um, you know, to introspect as well, both from your own personal experience with the product, with marketing, with whatever it is. But then also think about your yeses whenever you go buy uh, solutions. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be, I don't know anyone who's buying cars right now, but it could be buying a car. It could be buying groceries or buying like something new, buying uh, like I'm like researching athletic greens right now. And I'm kind of like low key considering trying it because I've heard so many great things about it, but it's so expensive So even I'm like, okay, where are my yeses happening and where are my hesitations happening? (laughs) Um, Because I see the value, but I'm not sure if I want to become a customer quite yet because it's so dang expensive. But with the stuff that you buy that you don't typically buy, where are your yeses happening? All right. Thanks again. uh, And I will catch you in the next one. Bye, y'all. As always, thank you so much for spending this time with me. To learn more about how to reach your growth goals for your SaaS business, head on over to demandmaven.io. You'll find all kinds of free resources, articles, and content. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already, and I'll see you on the next one.